Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. We, we try and stay in the real world, grounded in reality on Locked On Nets. But today that all changes. We are talking the Kawhi pathetical. And it's not that much about Kawhi. All that next on the Locked On Nets podcast. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are listening to Locked On Nets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Gavin Shaw. After four years covering the Phoenix Suns, a three-week vacation in Europe, I am back in my native New York to cover your Brooklyn Nets. And for the first time ever, in the new apartment of one Josh Bass. Josh, we're, we're out here. I know, I know. This might be the first and only time, depending on how this goes because you know I'm very superstitious so if it's a great pod you guys will be over here every day uh, much to the chagrin of our my roommates but uh, if it's bad this will be the only time talking Epstein talking Rob G great crew and we have a special guest formerly of the NBA now of unemployment Marcus Farrell hello how's it going good excited to talk the uh, Kawhi pathetical yeah uh yeah, love yeah. the Nets. Uh, they're one of my uh, seven favorite teams, probably. Yeah, that's sure. good. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay, I, I, th- I wasn't sure. I thought you were one of those Knicks fans that like hated the Nets. No, I have no reason to. I have no beef. Okay. He's not like me, where I just despise the Knicks. Yeah, it's right. pretty one way, I feel like. Yeah, and I, I think I used to, I hated the Nets because you hated the Knicks. But now that I've been doing the pod, I love them. Love yeah, Nets. good. All right, so this is, I would say, like, peak, like, crazy hypothetical season because it really is like it's like the one month of the year where you're done with the last season and not totally gearing up for the next season yet and we're almost we're kind of past the point of the daily instagram videos we're at the end of free agency it doesn't feel like there's going to be like a Kyrie trade in august this year it doesn't feel like there's going to be a mellow trade in september this year we're kind of winding down so i thought it was an ideal time to talk about the rumors of superstars potentially joining the Brooklyn Nets next season. And we've heard a lot of them. The one, the one of them that I think has been around since maybe even the end of last season was uh, Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler potentially coming to Brooklyn. I know Jay Williams recently mentioned that on a radio show. Uh, it was, was Sway in the Morning. What was it? What was that called? No, the Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Club. Breakfast Club. Charlemagne. Charlemagne. The God. Charlemagne. That was it. All right. Yeah, so he was on that. He mentioned that he thought it was uh, plausible that Kyrie and Jimmy Butler that it seems like they definitely want to play together, and they could end up in Brooklyn. And like, I'll, I'll start off here because we're we're gonna be talking about a bunch of different scenarios. Almost all of them involve Kyrie wanting to come to Brooklyn as the first domino. I think he'd be insane to leave Boston. Like they're set up better than any NBA team in modern history to contend for 10, 12 years down the road. They have potentially two top ten picks next season if the Grizzlies aren't particularly good. I guess. I mean, part of the reason why he left Cleveland was to escape LeBron's shadow and kind of, like, have his own team and his own legacy. And if he thinks, like, the Celtics might honestly be too good for that to happen. Like, if Jason Tatum continues to get better, Jalen Brown continues to get better, Gordon Hayward, I mean, if they end up getting Anthony Davis, like, Kyrie is still not going to be the best player on a championship team, which is, I think, what he most wanted in leaving Cleveland. I feel like he doesn't even want to be the best player on a really good team. For me, it's like he wants to be on a team where there's no other competition like he doesn't care if that team goes 42 and 40 it just wants to be the unquestioned guy and with the rumors of him leaving Boston 
which I think is absolutely crazy. I don't know. It's a perfect situation for him. Him. I don't know why he'd want to leave. Um, it feels to me like he just wants to be unchallenged. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I feel like we also, like, might be reading way too much into these rumors because, I mean, just, I mean, even, like, listening to him talk and, like, what the kind of guy he is, like, he just doesn't strike me as someone who would be putting this stuff out there. Like, maybe he mm. has just said this specifically to Jimmy Butler and then Jimmy Butler told someone and that's how it's gotten out. But, like, I'm sure, like, they've talked about as friends potentially playing together. But the idea that he's, like, he's it's legitimately out there that he could go somewhere else that just I don't know why that doesn't really sit right with me and like I think maybe a lot's coming out of the fact that he's from New Jersey and that he hypothetically could return home and the Nets theoretically would be a good landing spot for that mm-hmm. but again this podcast isn't necessarily to deal with reality it's to deal with what could be even if that's only a small chance right and, and I hate that this podcast is happening let me just preface that because I'm, I'm very superstitious I've had... I'm a little stitches. When I, when I first started as a Nets fan, we had the Jason Kidd, Kmart, Terry Kittles era, which was great. And since um, in those first two years, so I guess since the 2003 finals, um, it's really been a downhill slope and then the absolute torture that stemmed from uh, being a Nets fan post-Billy King trade. So just the thought of putting this in the atmosphere of potentially Kyrie and Jimmy Butler teaming up, I know now it's not going to happen because the Nets never get nice things. So I, I just want to say that I hate that we're doing this podcast. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that, but it's also August, and we. I know, but it's like it's like it's you fun. saying that it's you fun. doing a podcast about the Knicks getting KD. That's not going to happen. Exactly. That is wink. this. No, I didn't <laughs> wink. All right, uh, and then well, there, then there's another side to this coin, and that's the rumors that, and I think uh, to me this is even more far fetched, but the rumors that Kawhi Leonard could possibly. Consider the Nets, and this was, uh, I don't want to call it a report from David Aldridge. Like, I think this was being construed, and, like, I think this is, like, the classic thing that the Zach Lowe's and Brian Windhorst of the world complain about when aggregators just take stuff they say and turn them into allegedly concrete stories. Because to me, this is more in the realm of there's a template or, like, a scenario where Kawhi Leonard could feasibly consider the Nets, not that Kawhi Leonard would consider the Nets. But here's what David Aldridge said. Marks is his own man, and his staff has its own tale to tell Leonard and his representatives. The Philadelphia 76ers, for example, had a good shot at Leonard, in part because of Leonard's relationship with Sixers coach Brett Brown, a relationship that was formed while Brown was an assistant in San Antonio. Unless Marks rubs Leonard the wrong way somehow in the 210 area code, and there's absolutely no evidence I know indicating that, I think Leonard will give the Nets a fair hearing next July. So I think essentially what Aldridge is saying here is there's no reason for Kawhi Leonard to not consider the Nets. And, and I think the other part of this rumor was that his uncle is based out of New Jersey or, like, has some connection there. Like, Marcus Dennis. Do you, any, do you have any, like, feel on this? Because, like, I'm, I'm like, generally of the opinion this is just, like, Aldridge saying, like, like, feasibly, if Leonard wanted to come to the Nets, there's not, like, a concrete thing holding him back. But I still, I don't, I don't really see it happening. Right. I think it's more just that, like, they have the salary cap space to fit him in and they have, like, the roster space, I guess, to fit him in and that they don't have, like, a logjam with the position or anything. Not that that would stop them just because he's so elite. But I think, uh, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't feel right to me that he would think about the Nets all that seriously. Like, not to rain on this fantasy parade, but I don't know. There's just so many better options. Like, he can play with LeBron. He can stay in Toronto and uh, try to do something there with Lowry and the young guys they have. He can... I think Miami could be an option also. Yeah, for I sure. I mean, uh, I don't know what their cap situation is, but they, they definitely have like, a lot of money. Yeah, they have like a lot of good young pieces, like Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow. Uh, 
uh, what's his name? Bam Adebayo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they have, like, a good young core there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he definitely wouldn't come on his own. I think it would be, like, either right. with Kyrie, with Kevin Durant? Probably not. Um, with Jimmy Butler. Like, that trio, and that's something we're going to talk about on the back end of this podcast, is probably going to end up being a two-parter. Um, I think that is uh, more feasible. Uh, another part of this, uh, back in May, uh, Marcus, your boy, Frank Isola, Frankie Ice, uh, formerly of the Daily News, RIP, reported that Sean Marks has a great report with Kawhi Leonard's uncle and advisor, I guess this is what we were hitting at before, who's based out of South Orange, New Jersey. I just didn't read the next note in my rundown, which is why it's more detailed now. Uh, sorry. South Orange, New Jersey-based uh, Dennis Robertson. That's his name. His name is Dennis. Uncle Dennis. Dennis. Dennis, yeah. Dennis is dictating the terms of the NBA. Uncle Dennis. Yeah, Dennis wild. Scott, 3D. Right. I thought that was like a joke. All right. Dennis, Dennis Schroeder. Uh, yeah, and Stephen A. Smith adds that Marks and new net scout, Tiago Splitter, I think that's the pronunciation, are plotting to steal Leonard away from, at the time, San Antonio, now Toronto. Anyways, uh, that seems less likely. But what is feasible, semi-feasible, in our dream world, is the Kyrie Irving-Jimmy Butler deal. What would that look like in terms of clearing salary cap? Could the Nets afford both of them? Could the Nets afford a third guy? We'll get to that next on the Locked on Nets podcast. All right, so that's, that's kind of the question. How do the Nets make this work salary cap-wise? Strap in, because I've, uh, I wrote down a lot of thoughts on this. All right, Nets, as of now, are locked in to paying $37 million next year of an approximate salary cap of $109 million. $18 million of that $37 million is tied up in a six foot seven crab by the name of <laughs> Allen. So here's the deal with that. If the Nets attach a first round pick to Allen Crab, I think there's a very feasible chance that they can get off him because there are all these teams clearing room. And obviously, there are a lot of teams that are going to miss on superstars. And you're going to be in a situation where you end up overpaying someone anyways. Why not get a guy in Allen Crab who might not be great but does provide some value and a first round pick along with it? And if the Nets are so far down the path that they think Kyrie and Jimmy Butler is a short thing, that all of a sudden makes a lot of sense. You do that, all of a sudden the Nets have $88 million in cap room, and suddenly you can talk about bringing in two max guys and a third guy who could potentially be an extremely valuable contributor, and you're pairing that with a core of Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, Shabazz Napier, who's optioned for about $2 million, I assume they'll pick up, Travion Graham, Zanin Musa, and Rodion Skuritz. So that's, like, that's a pretty feasible core. If not, if you can't trade Crab, you can't get off him, which I guess is possible, but I, I think they'll be able to do it. Or if they just don't want to give him the first-round pick, you can stretch him, and if you stretch him over the offseason, you're paying him $6 million a year for the next three years, and then you still have $83 million in cap space if you renounce the rights to Ronda Hellish Jefferson and D'Angelo Russell. Are you guys, are you guys with me so far? Yeah. I'm with you. I don't agree with anything you're saying. Sure. What do you, what do, what's, what's your disagreement? I'm saying this is in the scenario where you know Kyrie and Jimmy want to come. Well, I wouldn't trade the first round pick. I wouldn't trade the first round pick for anything. You're just um, stretching. Not even protected. Well, because here's I the thing. I mean, because if, if I mean, you I, get those two guys, all that's like a late first to just get off a bad contract, so you could sign these guys. Like I would stretch him, or I would attach like a young like Levert is going to be super marginalized. If in that hypothetical scenario where they get a bunch of stars, guys like Levert. Or I don't even know who else they have. Well, who, point, do, who do we have? Well, no, I don't. I don't think my my whole point is like I think you need someone like Levert because he's like a valuable contributor on not no, making that not, much money. He's not a, He's better um, being a creator. He's not going to be great off the ball where he has to be relied on to just like shoot spot up. That's his primary weakness. 
For sure. But and if you, especially if you already have, if you're like adding Butler into the mix, who's not the best like outside shooter. Yeah, exactly. But can you and, use someone like Levert like off the bench? Like I would keep, I'd, I'd rather have Levert than like a late first round pick. Yeah, but at, at that point, he'd be going into the last year of his rookie contract and you have to extend him. Yeah. And he sure. might have more value to another team when you look to the Nets. Yeah, I know. I guess that's that's a plausible route that you can go down. All right, so that's that's where we're at right now. Like, I think if you keep Crab, in all likelihood, you're going to have to give up. Definitely, D'Lo's gone, I think, in any of these scenarios. And RHJ. Oh, I hope so. What a loss. Yeah, no, no, tough one. And RHA is, uh, is iffy. All right, so assuming uh, Kawhi and KD aren't part of this equation, which is... Uh, Safe assumption, I would say. Um, then you can give Kyrie and Jimmy the full max, and that's at about $35 million a piece, which I'm, I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but I don't like the idea of paying Jimmy Butler $35 million a year for five years when he's turning, I think, 31 at that point, or 30. And then you bring back Ronde Hollis-Jefferson for maybe $7 million a year, and you could feasibly fit Dinwiddie into this mix too. Uh, alternatively, with no Dinwiddie, you're left with five spots and either five million in cap space or eleven million in cap space if you trade crap uh, and you don't stretch him. All right, so let's say the Nets end up with the eighth and seventeenth picks, which is, I believe, about where Bleacher Report projects them, and that's where I projected them too. You add in another five million, and then you could dip like lightly into the luxury tax to bring in some veterans on a minimum. Uh, when I was filling out this uh, hypothetical rotation. I had them with uh, Ed Davis and Jared Dudley in there just as placeholders. All right, so here's, all right, uh, here, here's what the rotation looks like. You guys feel free to jump in at any point. Uh, in, in this scenario, they have Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler. Point guard, Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, possibly a placeholder if he gets too expensive, if he's like over like $6, 7000000 million a year, which is a very good chance he would be. Uh, Shabazz Napier as your either second or third point guard. Two guard, Karis LeVert, who under Josh's scenario would get traded, uh, Travion Graham. And uh, this is using the Bleach Report mock draft. They had the Nets at eight, taking uh, Keldon Johnson at Kentucky. So he's your third two guard. Small forward, Jimmy Butler, Joe Harris, Zana Musa, Rodion's Curix. Power forward, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. I think I'd... Sorry, yeah. I didn't jump yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I want you to. I think I'd almost rather start uh, Kyrie, Jimmy, and Joe Harris together as mm. opposed to Karras, just because Joe Harris is definitely like a better shooter. Sure. And I think I would, that's what I would want around. Yeah, and he can play off ball better than... Karras would. I'm with you. And I know, and, and that's... And you can have Karras then kind of like control the second unit if you can't bring back Dinwiddie as like the backup point guard almost. I like yeah. it. That's why Gavin's just the enough. GM, not the coach. I'm not the coach. Okay. I do the rotation. No, no, no. That's a great call. Especially because like Joe, with Joe Harris being so good attacking closeouts, like theoretically, like if you surrounded him with superstar talent and guys who could draw defenders looking the other way, that would become all the more deadly. All right. And then uh, obviously Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, potentially a praise holder if he gets too pricey. And then uh, Jared Dudley, who's also possibly a placeholder if he gets too pricey. Jared Allen, definitely your center. Ed Davis, possibly a placeholder. And then Joshua Love this. They had the Nets taking uh, Jalen Smith out of Maryland uh, with their Denver. Yeah, players. Stick Smith. Excited for he's, um, an incoming freshman for the Terps. But, no, I think in this scenario, I, I'm just kind of looking at it here. Sure. RHJ was definitely going to get at least $10 million as a free agent this coming offseason. So there's really no way that he'd be... Resign. Okay, so this is if Kyrie and Jimmy Butler were to come over. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a, that's a good team. Yeah, well, here's the thing. They basically, they would essentially have, like, let's just say they, they totally get off crap and they trade him. They're left with six... I mi- not listening to the podcast. Yeah, no, he's, he's going to be very upset. They are left with, like, $6 million to fill three spots, basically. But if you, you can either put 
veterans on a minimum in those spots, or you could potentially put guys like Hollis Jefferson and guys like Dinwiddie, and you have to dip into the luxury. And I guess we, we knew under Prokhorov the first time around they were willing to do that. And like, I'm wondering how feasible that is for this team. Like, I, I, think, I think if you're getting those two superstars, you kind of have to, especially in this market. But I, I don't know, Josh, how feasible you think that is. That they'd be willing to pay the luxury tax. No, I think definitely. It's something where Joe Sy is coming in and he wants to, he doesn't want to spend needlessly, like kind of like Prokhorov did, but I think he's under the, the impression where if the Nets have a winner, he's more than willing to pay the luxury tax and, and do what it takes because um, if they're putting a, a good team out there, then the fans will come in and there'll be a lot of energy in Barclays Center. They'll pay for the uh, very expensive concessions and the money will be returned to his pocket. I think he wants to see a winner in Brooklyn. Yeah. And he's going to be, he understands he has to pay for that. $7 cheesecake sells itself. All right, uh, we'll come back one final time to talk about how this product would potentially look on the court. All right, third and final segment, Locked on Nets. Gavin Shaw, Mark Sparrow, Josh Bass. Uh, how would this actually look on the court? We're still talking the uh, two-star scenario here, where they potentially get Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler. So just in terms of where this would put the Nets, I think the Celtics are probably still a little bit better than them. I mean, because they get that Kings pick that, in my mind, is almost definitely going to be a top-five pick in a draft that's relatively top-heavy. They'd like to get into that top-two, and the Kings have no incentive to lose. But on the other hand, there aren't that many teams that are decidedly worse than the Kings, and like every single game they play in the West, they're going to be favored to lose. So the Celtics could potentially get the second or third pick in the draft. They'll get the Grizz pick. I think in all likelihood, Boston, even without Kyrie Irving, because they also, they're also going to be able to fill that salary slot. They're looking like they're probably still the best team in the East. Philly is probably better, depending on how Fultz develops. I, I would say the Nets are, with, with, with Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler, and you assume they can keep one of RHJ and Dinwiddie, they keep Levert, they keep Joe Harris, they keep that bench together. I think they're the third best team in the East. Chance to win the East, and a long shot title contender if the Warriors lose to I, Durant. I think I would still take Toronto if they kept Kawhi over them. Right. I guess I guess I was guessing Kawhi to LA. This is just in my mind that's still like the most likely scenario. Are you are you like more in on uh, Kawhi staying now? Uh, I don't know. I was never out on it. Yeah. I think there's definitely a possibility. I think that taking for granted that like a decision has been made like a year ahead of time, as we just saw with Paul George. Not that the two situations are the same, but like right. you can't assume anything. I think, and if the Raptors make the conference finals or even the finals, which I think is definitely possible, I think he'd have a tough time leaving. Especially yeah. if the Lakers like lose in the first round. And the thing is, like, there's like a very feasible avenue for them to make the title game or the sorry, the finals. Because it's not college football. <laughs> it's the finals, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The championship round. Uh is I mean like Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, very injury prone. And like there's no guarantee Gordon Hayward's the same guy. Like, I don't know. I think there's a there's a way there. And uh if he if saying if he goes to LA, I guess like that would be that'd be the scenario. Sure. And KD does not go to LA with him. That would be crazy um that would be the scenario where this next team is all of a sudden sort of a long shot finals contender anyways a lot of fun to watch uh not as dynamic defensively as if like they potentially obviously got Kawhi in there but you have RHA in there that's still a pretty versatile defensive five some of Kyrie Joe Harris Jimmy Butler RHJ Jared Allen it's like five guys that could hold up like Kyrie impressed me with how solid he was defensively with the Celtics like there were still some of the same lapses there but he shows like 
with the right coaching, he can be very competitive on that end of the floor. And then offensively, like that team is a that team could be really, really good. Like obviously, it depends on what kind of leap Kyrie and I uh, sorry not Kyrie, uh, Karras and assuming they keep him and Jared Allen make over the next two seasons. But like running like a Kyrie Jared Allen spread pick and roll with Joe Harris, Jimmy, and like maybe one more shooter around those two, that could be really, really effective. I think it's fine. I don't see the the depth of two way players there. I mean, Joe Harris is passable on defense, so he's fine. But RHJ is a huge liability on offense when you consider that he's not going to be the primary option um, anymore in this hypothetical scenario. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if, I mean, if your starting lineup is Kyrie, Joe Harris, Jimmy, Rondé, and Jared Allen, that's kind of three non-shooters. Like, Jimmy, he can shoot, but I... Jared Allen hit a couple threes. Yeah, that's fair from the corners. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe Rondé is, like, the offensive five. Maybe you need, like, I don't know, because I was thinking, like, the other scenario here is you, like, play Karras and you go super small and you have... Uh, I guess Jimmy guarding power forwards, which I'm sure he wouldn't like, but if he's getting paid $35 million a year, maybe, or, or you start someone like Travion Graham who could hold up on both ends, can shoot the ball. Zonin? Sure. Sure. 6'9", uh, 90 no, pounds soaking wet. <laughs> I think he's the only person that's uh, skinnier than you, Gavin. No, he is. He is very similar. Did you see that he tweeted at uh, Mike Schmitz today? Yeah, I saw yeah, that. that There's also a picture I afraid you tweeted at maybe GNYR of t- Nets Twitter fame. <laughs> so you get a picture of like, Zan and Musa posing, and like his bicep was popping out. So maybe he's not as skinny as we oh. thought. Yeah, who knows? And, and I mean, like, here's the thing: like, like we're we're operating under the assumption the Nets would be willing to dip into the luxury tax. Like, I just filled out this team with the rookies, Jared Dudley and Ed Davis. Like, there's no guarantee. Like, uh, Curix makes it. There's no guarantee the rookies wouldn't spend a lot of time in the G League. But like, you could theoretically like add like an Ursan Ilyasova type or someone who makes a lot more sense than Rondé in that spot, and like potentially for less money than you pay Rondé. And then obviously there, there's a flip side to that. Like they couldn't afford another star in there necessarily, but I don't know. There's like some interesting mechanisms they could do to generate some more room and like potentially add a third guy. I wonder like what kind of minimum guys would be willing to come to this team. Like, because like a LeBron type or like in Houston or Golden State, they're able to just draw in like right. guys who are making the minimum, but are more talented than that just because they want that opportunity to play on a good team. And I wonder if this Nets team would be good enough to get that type of player and, like, what level they could get of minimum guys. Well, here's the thing. Like, I, I think that shift could start coming east just because of how brutally competitive the West is. And, again, the Celtics lose Kyrie, Kawhi, theoretically lose Toronto. There really is an opening there. And you combine it with, like, the New York market and the opportunities that that inherently brings. We, we've said it itself. Like, I, well, I guess everyone says this. Like, New York in and of itself isn't enough to attract free agents. But you have a good team there that could potentially make the difference. So I, th- I think that is a path like where guys would maybe yeah, be willing was, to take less money. I was going to say, I don't have any insight info. I would wonder if a guy like J.J. Redick would consider taking like a really cheap deal to play with another Duke guy in Kyrie who he likes yeah. and to play in Brooklyn where he wanted to come. Where he's uh, living. Where he anyways, yeah, where he doesn't have to commute four hours a day. <laughs> yeah, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe he does that. Well, I don't I feel like... Like, he, like he might be too talented. Like, he could yeah. probably command more like what Trevor Reza got from the Suns one year for 15. Yeah. Like, I would think that J.J. could get something more than what the Nets could offer, but I wonder if he'd be willing to take less to do yeah, that. for the convenience. And also, like, again, like, you saw it in uh, J.J. Redick that I could like, yeah. push Joe Harris back a spot. Kyrie. Sorry, Joe. J.J. Redick. Jimmy Butler. Jared Allen. And, like, you could throw in the power yeah. forward later. It doesn't change my, like, structural concerns with the roster. Sure. I mean, no, but just as, like, a starting five. That's like nice. that. Yeah. That's really, that's, that's really nice. 
That definitely helps the shooting, yeah. but hurts the defense. Yeah, and, I, and you figure he's going to slow down on that yeah. end. He's going to be like 35-ish at that point. But yeah, I, I don't know. Well, that's why like someone like Trayvon Graham, who like Josh, I don't think we ever really talked about in this podcast, is interesting. And like I kind of like that they, I'm, unless he might have an option the second year, I think they have him for two seasons. Like I like having that guy down because he's the type of guy who's like not necessarily all that useful on the current iteration on the Nets. But if you sign superstars, like he's like a really good piece to have on not a ton of money. Yeah, he's definitely shown that he's a serviceable player the last couple of years in Charlotte. I've li- liked him since he was at VCU. And uh, if his shot gets a bit more consistent, he could be someone that's worthy of maybe getting 25 minutes a game in a 3 or D role, obviously has to prove that. But definitely a low-risk signing. I believe it's uh, a non-guarantee for next year. Yeah. So the Nets don't have a ton of risk there. And um, if he proves himself, they'll be more than happy to, uh, to guarantee that and bring him back. All right. To wrap this up, the really implausible scenario, the three-star scenario. Ooh. All right, I, I think, I think clearly the best team in the East, if they get Kawhi, Jimmy, and Kyrie. And they're able to keep, well, they, they have the seven guys in their contract. And, like, that would, they definitely have to attach something to crap, get him out of there. From a cap perspective, you're looking at about a little over $30 million in luxury tax when I worked that out, and that's basically like filling out the roster with minimum guys outside of those three. And you'd have to get the three of them to agree to take $30 million a year when they could each get $35 million a year. And maybe that's a non-starter for Kyrie and Kawhi. For Jimmy Butler, I think that's probably closer to what he's worth. I would argue, given how his game is likely to age, I think that might even be paying too much for Jimmy Butler still. So you'd, you'd, that, that's a real hypothetical, and you could call it a stretch. It would, it would kind of be like a Heatle scenario. But you do that, I think they're clearly the best team in the East. I think if KD leaves the Warriors, I think you can make a compelling case that they're, they'd have a chance to be the best team in the NBA, like Draymond, Clay. Unless Durant like, went to the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be... I mean, I don't know, but then, like, how good is LeBron at that point? Because it's, like, LeBron at 35, and he's still probably... I'm, he's probably I'm top, never going to, like, yeah. doubt LeBron. No, he's, he's, like, a top-ten player, but, like, is he, like, the same four? I don't know. Like, yeah, you could, you could definitely... Well, he, yeah. If he's if he's falls off a step, then he's like your number two option. At right. That right. Point. And, and LeBron is a number two. It's pretty, pretty scary. scary. Yeah. He'd probably have Lamelo at that point. Also, of course, forces his way yeah. to L.A. And here's the and that's what that's what's insane about the Warriors is they could lose KD and you could still make a compelling argument they're the best team in the NBA. Just with yeah. I mean that's that's a team that won seventy two games and all those guys. Still, no, but those guys. I mean, they were the Dallas a shell of himself. Yeah, they don't have Bogut, uh, who was a really integral part of that team, especially on defense. Yeah. I think their center position gets worse every season. I mean, but potentially they could re-sign Boogie if KD left. And they like Damian Jones a lot from what I've seen. Jordan uh, Bell's good. Yeah, Jordan Bell is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That team's still interesting. They don't have a lot of, like, wing and guard depth on the bench. Well, he's not, like, Livingston. McCall, I think they're hoping him he takes a leap. But, like, how do we see Draymond, his game aging? Because I feel like he could fall off a cliff. I think he's like in a three years or so he could fall off. I don't know. I think he's like so smart. I really think he's going to be like valuable until like I think like I think like after thirty five like he's like going to be like a back of the rotation guy. But I think until then like I think he's going to be like a very valuable player on like a great team. Like I could see him like like as long as he's part of that Warrior system and he's playing off Steph and Clay because obviously they kind of highlight all of his strengths and minimize all of his weaknesses. Like I think he's going to be very very relevant. I wonder if they could shift him into the role that Bogut had initially on the team where he's kind of like a slower big guy who's like kind of passing from the post while Steph and Clay cut around screens right. and stuff. And defensively, like it's always been more about like obviously the fact that he's like very strong and is relatively quick feed for someone as stocky as he is, like that's a big part of it. But I think it's always been like more about that he's just like a genius on defense and he reads stuff half a second ahead of anyone else in the NBA. 
on that end of the floor. Anyways, to finish that up, I think, again, that team, potentially a final contender. A lot of it depends on how good Jared Allen ends up being. Like, I was thinking here that, like, he could potentially be, like, a good Clint Capella replica. Like, maybe not quite as good defensively because that's obviously a big leap from where he is now, but somewhere in that mold. And obviously, the, the downside of getting all three stars is suddenly that bench doesn't look all that good. You're relying a lot on Joe Harris, Shabazz Napier, Trayvon Graham, and you need one of the rookies to hit. But that is a really, really great team. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? Wrap this up. Um, as a Knicks fan, I wish no ill will towards the Nets. I hope you guys do get someone, though I do hope that Kyrie and Kevin Durant come to the Knicks. So then you can have someone else. That's fine. Jimmy Butler. Sure. 35 sure. Yeah, that's fine. Josh, would you... Okay, good, good final question for you. Nets don't get Kyrie, they don't get KD. Hypothetically, this would never happen. But Jimmy Butler wants to sign for $35 million a year for five years. Just do, you, do you want him? No. <laughs> okay, same. All right, great note to end on. Uh, thanks for listening to the Locked on Nets podcast. Next time around, we're going to be talking, what's the backup plan? The Nets don't get these superstars. What are they looking to do next offseason? That next on the Locked on Nets podcast.